Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> <laughs> For this entire month, we have teamed up with Podchaser. Podchaser is the IMDb, LinkedIn, Goodreads, or Letterboxd of podcasting, and they have agreed to give away a TOS swag package. Listeners who leave a review for The Other Stories or an episode of The Other Stories on Podchaser by the 30th of August will be entered for a chance to win an Other Stories swag package consisting of a t-shirt, a mug, and a TOS poster. To do this, head over to podchaser.com, as in someone's got a pod and you're chasing it, podchaser.com forward slash the other stories and leave a review today today's episode is in continuity written by richard reynolds and narrated by persephone rose i was eight when the first superhero appeared back in 1938 the papers called him savior the future man And in a depressed time, he was a beacon of light. Inevitably, other superheroes arrived. First, Night Shadow and his sidekick, Night Light. Then the statuesque Amazion. Then more and more. In the beginning, they fought corrupt officials and mobsters. But soon the supervillains and monsters came along. So the bravest of the heroes founded the Righteous Squadron to deal with the escalating threats. Then came World War II. I was too young to join up at the outset of the war, and I'd had polio as a child, so was deemed unfit later on. Which bothered me a great deal. But we had Admiral Patriot, fighter pilot, 
and general rage with his platoon of hooligan heroes on our side. So, who needed a sickly teenager? Besides, rejection turned out to be the best thing that could have happened to me. Because it was while volunteering on the home front that I met Heidi, the strongest, kindest girl I'd ever known. I fell hard, and she happened to like me too. We married within months. After the war returned to relative normality, we settled into an extended state of happiness that remains the fondest time of my lives. I machined metal. Heidi worked at a grocery and tended our beautiful garden. We didn't have much, but we had each other. The closing of the war also brought the end of the golden age of superheroes. Many simply retired. Only the truest stood firm to fight the good fight. The 40s and 50s really were as simple and innocent as they say. With the threats the heroes faced ranging from elaborate tricksters to inept mad scientists via alien invaders that seemed more concerned with turning Night Shadow's costume pink than destroying humanity. The threat level was inexplicably diminished. I remember the time King Atlante hit Manhattan with a mega-tsunami that somehow failed to cause a single fatality. By the end of the 50s, it became clear that Heidi and I couldn't have kids. She was devastated, but never let it sour her. She just redoubled her volunteer work while becoming the neighborhood's favorite aunt. It was around this time that inspired youngsters began to take the mantles of their heroes, so we had fresh versions of Speeder, Willpower, Morphean, and more, and they were invited to be part of a new righteous squadron by the old guard who were eager to lead by example. Not much later, a new breed of superhero began to emerge. Mechaniman, Insectoid, The Monster, Hermes, Professor Weirdo, and Lady Condor sprang forth and quickly formed the Retributors, unearthing a thought-dead Admiral Patriot to lead the team, and in so doing, kickstarting a new heroic age that took the 60s by storm. This age brought bigger, scarier threats. But with this, the number of super people multiplied exponentially. They made their stamp on culture in a big way, as we all found ourselves glued to the candid shows and magazines that clued us in on the lives and adventures of these astonishing people. By the 70s, I was middle-aged and had achieved very little. But I didn't give a hoot so long as I got to come home to my girl each day. This was the time of the Astro Heroes. Heidi jokingly referred to them as Space Hippies, with their strange powers and messages of universal harmony. It was less of a laughing matter when the most powerful of them, Jesus Star Mage, battling his evil counterpart, 
black soul of the tyrant galaxy unwittingly destroyed the universe. I don't know if this was the first time that existence was annihilated, or just the first time I remembered, but there was a blinding flash that could have lasted a lifetime. Then everything returned to normal, other than the fact that I had two sets of memories, one of the life I'd lived so far, and another life that was essentially the same, except that Jesus Starmage had never existed, and more heroes, somehow lesser than the ones I'd known, had woven into history. I guessed Starmage had sacrificed himself to save us. Heidi had looked at me blankly when I broached the subject. She'd had no memory of a previous incarnation of the universe. I was greeted with the same blank expression by anyone I questioned on the matter, so I eventually dropped it. The addition of these superheroes to already swollen ranks began to make the culture difficult to keep up with, and going into the 80s we found we couldn't count on their moral fiber as we once did. Heidi waved away my concerns that things were too chaotic with the argument that all old people think that way about a culture that belongs to the young. But in my heart, I knew that with the onset of the kind of threats that practically every superhero had to band together to fight, something was going to give. I was proven right when the Righteous Squadron villain, Counterlife, ascended to godhood and murdered a dozen heroes before disappearing. Savior addressed the world to explain that Counterlife had become a danger to other universes, and with that, most of our heroes ventured into the Omniverse to face what the press had dubbed the Secret Crisis. When the sky turned red, I was grateful that I could hold Heidi as purple lightning crackled around us. There were much worse ways to go as the universe ended again. I woke up as if from a nightmare, and the superheroes had saved us again. But in this new universe, nothing was the same according to my third set of memories. The date was right, 1986, and I was still married to Heidi. But we were back in our twenties and living in a crummy apartment in a world that had never known superheroes until later that day, when we were awed by the debut of a fresh-faced savior. Yet again, I seemed to be the only person who remembered reality as it once was. Within months, the most iconic heroes were back, but these stripped back less powerful iterations with their explicable origins and businessman villains made my old lives seem less plausible, quaint. I didn't let it bother me. As far as I was concerned, I'd been given another opportunity to grow old with Heidi. Soon, a real game-changer hit. From the depths of space, the evolution wave passed over Earth, unlocking the dormant power in thousands of people. Heidi was one of those affected, 
and her power couldn't have been more poetic. She could intuit the cultivation requirements of any flora she encountered. Her gardens became indescribable. With all these superpowered people abounding, a volley of new heroes loosed on the world to join the continuing reintroductions of faces I knew well. It should have been a new golden age, but instead things became twisted. The young superpowered race stirred up prejudices and paranoia, and at once the world seemed to become darker. Governments wanted their own super people, so they hired the militant types or created them in labs, and Zeitgeist for the next wave of superheroes took a distinct paramilitary edge. With the likes of The Judge, Hair Trigger, Deathwire, and Bazooka Joan pounding muggers and rapists into mush, when they weren't engaging in open warfare with villains only discernible from themselves by the fact that one killed innocent folk on purpose, the other as collateral damage. But no matter how shitty the world got, it never got better for Heidi. Not for a second. She pushed back harder, helped more people. She eventually set her sights on bringing some hope to Bastion City, the most impoverished city in the country, and succeeded, managing to secure funding from the William Foundation to set up a free-access botanical garden. I wasn't fond of moving to Bastion and didn't have prospects once we got there, being fairly unskilled. So I worked for Heidi. But spending more time with my wife and helping create the most beautiful place I'd ever seen suited me just fine. Unfortunately, Bastion had a way of snuffing out hope. I remember in the 50s, Jester Jack used to set up elaborate pranks for Night Shadow, now that he was the world's sickest mass murderer. During a heat wave, he released masses of spore-infected AC units onto the market that started a pandemic. Both myself and Heidi fell gravely ill. I got better. She didn't. My world ended. I recall the rest of that reality through a haze of rage and alcoholism. A series of superhero deaths played out against a backdrop of echoed variations of events I'd already lived through, all while I wished extinction on the universe. And without knowing how, I got my wish. On the turn of the millennium, I woke as a teenager. The sun shone on a brighter reality where superheroes were few. My heart swelled with the knowledge that I attended the same high school as Heidi, and my joy became boundless as we fell in love again for the first time. The practicalities of this universe trumped even the last, with the only super team, a government-sanctioned variant of the Retributors, here called the Maximums, carrying out missions dependent on funding criteria and whose members spent more time seeking endorsement deals than heroing. It all made my first life seem childish 
by comparison. Still, here you could live your life away from the chaos of the superheroes, for the most part. It wasn't to last. The heroes of a parallel reality descended to inform us that both our universes were in grave peril and could only be saved by merging. So, with the terrifying sight of an apparition Earth hurtling towards us, just like that, I was 30 again and married to Heidi in a world brimming with updated but colorful iterations of superheroes' past. I thought others might remember the merging, but as usual, was alone in my recollections. In a way, this new universe was like returning home. There was a cautious levity to it, but it too didn't last. It seemed, or... So I determined later, the fusing of the two universes had started a chain reaction that was slamming one universe into the next, and an omniversal effect to form a single dead universe of infinite debris. I'd grown used to my shifting existence, though I was never sure if, on universal destruction, my consciousness jumped to a parallel self or if the universe simply respawned around me. Either way, the end of all reality, logically, would spell my final death. But if I were to go with Heidi, I could go in peace. Typically, the heroes found a solution. This time, Admiral Patriot addressed the world, telling us of their mission and informing us that if we survived we would be the denizens of a prime universe, the reality from which all others branched. Machine trees were planted the world over, and it all ended with a vibration that resonated to the core of my atoms. Like my first rodeo, I awakened to a universe almost the same as the last, minus the mass memory of the omniversal extinction event plus a few new superheroes. For ourselves, Heidi and I were as happy as ever, working our Joe jobs and taking care of one another as the superhero adventures became planet-threatening as a matter of course, with cataclysmic events occurring on something like a yearly schedule. We'd become almost complacent by the time the heroes went to war with each other, A complacency that ended in tragedy when a deflected solar beam burnt a hole through Heidi. She died in my arms as we awaited an ambulance. Life became hell again. I considered killing myself, but what good would that do, my love? I decided to live. To patiently wait out the end of this universe... But year after year, in the face of extinction event after extinction event, the superheroes win the day. Perhaps this universe has found the perfect balance of threat and resolution. But any reality without my wife is an abomination that doesn't deserve to exist. So I guess its end falls to me. As far as superpowers go, remembrance isn't much. I don't have a flamboyant costume or a mountainous ego. 
but I'm going to be the deadliest villain this universe has ever known. See, I know things no one else does. No one on this go-around has discovered the celestial catacombs, but I know where they are. I'll find them and unearth the cosmic unicator, locate the tyrant galaxy and contact Black Soul, and I'm going to inform him of the existence of the Great Observer's Apocaswitch. It's a cocktail of events that I'm sure will lead to universal destruction. I can't know if the end of the Prime Universe will end all things, and in the event that it doesn't, that my involvement in the deaths of untold trillions will weigh too heavily on my next self, all I do know is that I can't live without Heidi. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. In continuity, it was written by Richard Reynolds, narrated by Persephone Rose, edited by Carl Hughes, and music by Diane Key and Tom Robson. And sound effects were provided by Free Music Archive and freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. Richard Reynolds is the owner and operator of Ground Zero Comics, a small shop in Mansfield, England, but writes, straws, produces his own comics and strips whenever he gets the chance. You can read these comics for free on the shop's website, groundzerocomics.co.uk, in the free comics sidebar. For seven euros, plans to live long enough with the help of cybernetic augmentations to travel to the stars and make extraterrestrial friends. When she isn't performing satanic rituals, she scrapes by as a writer and a voice actor of things that are not always for the faint of heart. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help support the show at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. You can join our book club and chat about the podcast over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver. T-shirts and mugs are available at gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. The other stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. Until next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a BB with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800 334 Kia for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.